Welcome to China Manufacturing Decoded from Southeast, the podcast where we take you through some of the major topics facing importers and manufacturers in China today. Hi, everybody! Thanks for joining us for episode fifty-six of the pod. Adrian here, and I'm joined by Renault. Hi, Renault. Hey, hi, Adrian. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thank you. I'm enjoying the、uh, summer, which has finally arrived. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's been、uh, it's been raining most of the most of the past week, but、oh、today was bright, sunny, and hot. Yeah, so、uh, that sounds pretty good. Everything okay over in Asia then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Topic today is about product development agreements. So, what's in them, and why do you need one if you're an importer and you're working with suppliers in Asia? So, let's start off with explaining what a product development agreement is. Well, basically, there's like a continuum when you you're going to work with a supplier. In you know China, Vietnam, India, Taiwan, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Different countries. You're going to work with a supplier, and you're going to purchase a product from them. There's a continuum between you pick something like I don't know a light bulb, you know, and you say, okay, I want just this, the same. You change nothing. You just send it to me, you know, and. In that case, you're really just distributing. You're going to resell their products, right? So there's、mm. no product development at all. Still, you might want to to、uh, to cover some of your your risks. However, there's no risk that you know they copy your product or anything like that. It's more like you might copy their product.、Um, so the supplier themselves might have some kind of distribution agreement or something. So some special requirements. But anyway, let's say this is one extreme. Yeah, and then you know there's different shades of gray. You know, you tell them, oh, put my logo on it. You tell, them, oh, the packaging should be like this, and and then you tell them, well, it should also have this. You know, it should be that kind of、uh, maybe softer silicon、um, rather than that uh, that that uh, ABS you know, whatever ABS or TPU or whatever they're using.、Um, and then you can say maybe, oh, it needs this, this extra feature. You know, and then all the way to You go to the manufacturer and you tell them, "I have designed a product、uh, that's completely new. It's not like anything you have made before. So I'm just looking at you as a company that can help me make it, right? And maybe also develop it. And it's totally new. And in this extreme, I, the buyer, I'm I'm doing all the design. I own all of the intellectual property, right?" So this this is quite different from I go and I pick a light bulb and I say just shoot me exactly that and nothing nothing that nothing、oh, different yeah. right yeah, it's yeah. the opposite so if if you brought really brought something there in terms of your own design or maybe just ideas for、uh, extra functionality or just you know a visual、uh, visual design. Uh, maybe it's a garment, and you say, "Okay, here's the print. I just designed it." Well, that, that you know, that's your intellectual property. You want to,、um, y- you want to protect it. So,、mm. in that case, what is the risk? You want to cover the risk that maybe the supplier will pretend that it's their own product. Maybe they will、um, sell it to other customers. <laughs> um,、mm. m- you know. Things like that.、Uh, maybe they will do some of the work, and then they will not share it with you. You know, maybe 
the, the source code or the, the, the uh, if there's some electronics, maybe the, the, uh, the layout and, um, and the, the schematics and, and, and the PCB design and things like that, they might not give it to you. They might just say, well, here's the sample, you know, here's the prototype. Uh, but I don't tell you, you know, what went into it and, and I don't tell you also the component suppliers because development is not just about the, the technical blueprints, if you want. It's also about the supply chain. It's also about knowing where this, um, where the components come from, right? Yeah. So the, also, yeah, a, a risk here, and we talked about that before in the podcast, is that the supplier says, okay, okay, yeah, we can help you, you know, do this part of the development maybe and, and source some of the suppliers. And then it is really their intellectual property. They don't even charge the customer for that. Or maybe they charge the customer for it. But since there is no written agreement, it's not clear who owns the intellectual property. And by default, in my understanding, and I'm not a lawyer, so you know, make sure you call a lawyer to make sure you, you get that right. But and mm-hmm. and usually lawyers would be very happy to talk to you uh, because you know making these kinds of agreements is um, is a source of revenue for them. Okay, so what I was saying is, if it's not clear uh, through a written agreement who owns the intellectual property, if the supplier did some of the work, they will probably take credit for it and say, this is their intellectual property. You know, and that means you cannot easily go to another manufacturer. And that means you have you know, little leverage on mm. that, um, that supplier because they can cut you out you know, and that, that is covered by another agreement, manufacturing agreement, we'll, we'll get to that, but they can okay. cut you out usually, um, but it, it's not so easy for you, the buyer, to go see another, um, another, another supplier because a lot of the development has to be done again. That might be time consuming and very expensive, right? So yeah. development agreement is simply an agreement that covers these risks. And it's something that we always tell our clients that they need if they're going to do uh, development work with with a manufacturer. Mm, Yeah, so I suppose the more unique, the more customized your product is, the more Mm. you're going to need this sort of agreement. Yes, because there's more, yeah, because the risk is higher, uh, there is more at stake. There's usually more investment in, in time and money uh, and yes, you want to protect that. Yes. Mm. And you're talking about the suppliers that you're using. I mean, we have spoken on the podcast before about supplier choice and, and many times in written content as well. And so when developing a, a unique product, would you recommend trying to work with a contract manufacturer where possible? Well, so it depends. Uh, again, mm. it depends where you are on that continuum from I buy light bulbs or cables or, yeah. or screws and I, I want nothing changed to, hey, this is this is my flying car and I designed <laughs> it and I find a way to make it work and now I need it to, to manufacture it, right? So if, if you go for screws and light bulbs and things like that, you go to a manufacturer that has already made that, you know, an ODM or OEM mm. manufacturer that just specializes in that more what they call ODM, 
original design manufacturer. If you are somewhere in the middle, let's say you want um, a tablet, right? A tablet PC or, or a smartphone. We get a lot of requests for these, uh, I don't know, but it's, it, it's, um, it's a little bit special. So you have manufacturers, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of them in Shenzhen, Dongguan, Huizhou, they're specialists of smartphones and maybe smartphones and tablets. And you can go to them and say, well, I want, yeah, okay, on the basis of this model of yours, um, I want uh, that different chip and I want maybe a, a different kind of screen and oh, the camera module, I need to change that. Um, and the packaging would be like that and you put my logo on it. Yeah. So in that case, you really don't want to work with a contract manufacturer because contract manufacturer will tell you, okay, but we're not specialists you know, of this kind of product. So we're gonna have to do quite a bit of R&D and research and everything yeah. to be able to put that together. However, that, that uh, OEM company that, that, that will say, okay, yeah, sure, based on our model, we've already uh, amortized you know, most of the R&D um, and we, we've already upgraded to the, this current generation of chip, uh, mm -hmm. of chipsets. And um, so making these changes for you, that's fine. And maybe it will charge you just for these changes, but all the rest, um, we've already amortized the R&D anyway, right? Mm -hmm. So in this case, you really want to work with an OEM manufacturer. You don't want to work with a contract manufacturer. Um, you don't want to, to, uh, to start the development from scratch. Right, right. Now, if you, if you make a, a product that is relatively simple or that is kind of you know unique in a way that you can really find very similar uh, products you know already made somewhere in China, uh, then it does make sense to uh, to go with a contract manufacturer. Also, in case you are worried about going to one of these ODM slash OEM typical manufacturers and you know, you, you, you give them a lot of ideas and mm. what will they do with these ideas? Yeah, they will make the product for you. I mean, hopefully, not always. Sometimes they, they do all the development with you. They get all your good feedback and then they cut you off. Mm. Uh, that happens. I mean, we've seen it. Uh, and then they, they're happy to sell it to other customers. Uh, and usually that's because the development agreement was you know, not very strict or, um, or just non-existent. Uh, or, or, you know, or even if they supply to you, they will show it to other customers and then there's like a risk. One way to avoid this risk is to sign the right kind of agreement. And that's yeah. what we're discussing today. That's sort of the, the legal tools, but also you need to think of the business fit in the long run and the, the risks that they do something wrong, maybe with one of their sister companies or their cousin's company and you can never prove that there's any link, you know and they do something bad. And even though you have all the, all the documents signed and, and chopped and confirmed, that is still a risk. So if you want to avoid that risk, don't work with a company that's already making something similar. Mm. Because they're already connected to a wool supply chain, you know, a bunch of buyers that might be interested in, in your product. It's very easy for them to, to reset it to somebody else, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good to reiterate those points about the different suppliers. I mean, I will leave some links to that sort of content in the show notes because definitely worth reviewing. 
to get back onto topic then about the product development agreement, could you take us through the the sort of anatomy of this sort of agreement, please? So, uh, first, I should break it down. Um, yeah. Uh, a key component really is to protect the buyer's intellectual property. I think I made that clear, and that can be an extremely complex topic. So again, talk to a lawyer who is very clear about these topics and also about mm-hmm. doing business in China or in, in whatever country where you, you want manufacturing and, and development to be done. Okay. I think we can send a link to, uh, to, to, to some blog posts, maybe from the China Law blog, um, because they, they make it clear that there are cases that are really messy. Uh, what they call the, the, when the intellectual property, property is blended you know, some of it comes from the buyers, some of it from the manufacturer, you know, what mm-hmm. what exactly to do in this case. Uh, I'm not going to cover this topic, which is always a little bit complicated. So I want to break it down a little bit. It covers the intellectual property. It also should cover, I, I believe, the supply chain, you know, s- s- uh, uh, the desired level of transparency. Of, of visibility that the buyer should have over the component suppliers and maybe the sub suppliers, right? Uh, this is something that people tend to forget, but it's not mm. all about the technical aspect. It's also about the supply chain aspects. Very, very important. Uh, and also I wanna make a distinction uh, People usually, lawyers usually talk about the development agreement, which is something typically you sign before you start working with a supplier or or, or, a, or a design house, by the way, also it, it does apply mm-hmm. um, on, on product development. And, and then they also talk about the manufacturing agreement, which is supposed to be signed before uh, manufacturing starts. Some people have it signed uh, all the way at the beginning, together with the development agreement. Um, sometimes certain topics are still very unclear. Uh, you know, typically the quality standard is not set. You know, it fits a very new kind of product. Um, the uh, the warranty terms that are expected and things like that are not all very clear. And and in that case, you want to delay it a little bit. Uh, so there's development agreement, manufacturing agreement. Um, and then there's something in the middle that lawyers tend not to really uh, think of, but really from my point of view, it is something in the middle is the industrialization. It's really, okay, development, product development is getting all the design engineering and the supply chain setup and so on, all done. Uh, all confirmed with a prototype that looks alike, works alike, um, you know, is, is pretty much what the buyer wants. And, and the, the design, the product design is frozen. Mm. But then you can't just go into production with that. Uh, if it's an electromechanical product, if it's for um, automotive, uh, aerospace and things like that, you definitely cannot go direct into mass production you need to also work on the development of the of the of the process okay and you need to maybe fabricate some tooling 
and validate it, uh, you need to, um, um, to confirm that this exact product design can be made with these processes, these manufacturing processes. Um, I think we did a podcast episode on the new product introduction process, NPI yeah. process, and really that's that's what it's about, right? And then there is manufacturing, really, when, okay, it's just about purchasing the components, you know, checking them up, putting them together, checking up again, shipping, right? And, and, and this middle phase, well, some of this falls into the development agreement, some of this falls more into the manufacturing agreement, Mm. Um, and different lawyers will interpret that in, in different ways, I believe. So these, these are really the three phases that tend to be boiled down into two separate agreements. So for example, the tooling, tooling is usually, um, it, it, the main risk is about intellectual property and being, you know, avoid, avoiding being hooked by the supplier. So usually it's in the development agreement. Mm-hmm. and um, setting up the, the manufacturing lines and maybe uh, you know developing some testing jigs and things like that might be in the manufacturing agreement, right? So it's a little bit of an arbitrary uh, distinction that doesn't really make sense to me sometimes, uh, but I've, uh, I've read quite a few of these agreements and um, yeah, different templates coming from different lawyers will, uh, will, will cover different things. Sure. Now, having said that, basically, a development agreement, uh, the key things that it says is, you know, what kind of product is going to be developed first, right? What is what is the scope of this this agreement? What what is the purpose? Um, obviously, confidentiality. Um, often a uh, non-disclosure, non-use, non-circumvention agreement has already been signed, uh, but then it's pretty much all the time, it's also part of the development agreement. Mm. Okay, so making sure that um, supplier is not allowed to, to leak the information, to reuse the information in ways that are not allowed and so on and so forth, okay? That's a basic. Um, who is going to do what? Because again, it's a continuum from the light bulb and the screws to the flying car designed by the buyer, right? Where Mm. do you fall in this continuum? Well, maybe the buyer, maybe it's really a new product. Maybe the buyer themselves have an R&D team doing some of the engineering design. They work also with a design house doing maybe the electronic design and then they keep the mechanical design in-house. And maybe they work with a um, couple of freelancers developing the, um, uh, the firmware and, and an app. And, 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 and then they also start to work with, with a supplier for a specific module, right? Oh, we need that kind of, I don't know, camera, camera module. Well, this guy's a specialist about that, about camera modules, and they can help us get the, the exact kind of camera module that we need, we don't need to redevelop it from scratch, right? Mm. This is not, um, not not uncommon for relatively complex products. Um, and then maybe that supplier for the camera module is just going to be a 
just a component for that, uh, sorry, just a supplier for that module. But then maybe the assembly together will be by yet another supplier, uh, but that supplier will not be involved at that stage yet, right? So um, in that case, you wanna make sure that the, the freelancers and the, the, the staff and the design house and that camera module supplier each sign an agreement um, about the, the development, about what are they going to do, what are their uh, obligations, who owns the intellectual property, and, and so on and so forth. And they might be different, right? Mm -hmm. um, now, in the case of a product, let's say relatively simple, the buyer goes directly to a, uh, a manufacturer in, uh, I don't know, in, in Shenzhen. In that case, okay, is the manufacturer going to do all the development? Sometimes that's the case. So, okay, so the manufacturer will say, okay, we can do the mechanical side for, um, you know, $10,000 and we can do the, the electronic side for uh, $3,000 and then the testing for another 2,000 and, and yada, yada, yada. Okay, and, and then the, the tooling, we can make it and it's gonna be $6,000. And, you know, oh, the packaging also then, um, you know, we can do it, but you haven't confirmed the, the design and everything yet. Okay, so we'll, we'll price later, right? Uh, that, that's quite typical, right? Uh, and it, it, it's, I, I said earlier, we always suggest to our clients that they put this on the table as early as possible. Hey, Mr. Supplier, yeah, I, I, you know, I have to sign an agreement with you about the development before I share any, um, any more information before, before you start any work, you know, it's, sorry, you know, my, 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 advisors, my boss, my investors, whatever, uh, my customer, they insist. Um, they have to make sure that my company owns the intellectual property. So we have to have a paper about that. Is that okay? If you say that from the very beginning, it's gonna be fine. Um, and there's going to be no misunderstanding. Now, what I see is people who go to a manufacturer and then they say, well, yeah, I like this coffee machine. Uh, but I'd like it to be a little bit different. Um, and with this extra functionality and these, these two functionalities we don't need. So maybe just remove the buttons uh, and, you know, wh whatever, make some changes. And then the, the, the supplier says, okay, okay, no problem. We do it. And then at one point, the, 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 the buyer starts to talk with some of uh, their own customers and, and with potential investors. And then they realize, oh, I got to make sure that I own the intellectual property. Otherwise I really have nothing in my hands. And they go to the, to the supplier and supplier is like, well, you know, um, I already did, you know, some of the work, the engineering work for free, da, 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 da. So, you know, I, and it's based on my product I don't think you own any of the intellectual property here. Mm. And you know what? They're right. I mean, I back them up 100%. If, the, if the, the, the customer did not ask how much is it going to cost me, you know, how many hours of engineering you think you're going to spend on this? What about sourcing for this, this extra uh, 
piece of material that I mentioned? You know, what about this? What about that? You know, as a customer, you just provided an idea and you had the manufacturer work for free. You are not going to own the deliverables of their free work, right? Um, and, and, and believe me, <laughs> all Chinese suppliers think like that, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't pay for it, if you don't have a clear agreement about that, it's not yours. Yeah, I mean, it's um, kind of fair enough. Yeah, of course, of course. Now, mm. if you're in that situation, you can still, you know, talk to a lawyer. They will have some suggestions. If they've seen a lot of similar situations, they, they will, they, you know, they will have some, some ideas. Uh, maybe they will say, okay, well, they own the intellectual property um, and only they can manufacture it, but they cannot sell it to anybody else. Mm. And they have to give you a bit of transparency on their pricing so that they cannot go crazy on their pricing to you, you know, I mean, on their costing, I mean, so they mm -hmm. cannot um, try to lock their, their, um, their price if possible with a simple formula. I mean, there's certain things you can do to, uh, to protect yourself against some of the risks, but you're not going to own the intellectual property. Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, that's sort of a given, right? And then, yes, I mentioned that uh, intellectual property rights, that's very important. Who will have what rights? Now, there's a difference between having a paper that says, I own all intellectual property rights and actually having also all the deliverables right? Mm. The 3D CAD drawing in step uh, format, um, the, the bill of materials with all the details, including the contact information and name of the suppliers and the price and the MOQ and the lead time and so on. I mean, if you don't have these deliverables, do you really own your product? <laughs> you know, uh, on paper, it's your intellectual property, but every time you're going to say, hey, I need to make a change here. The supplier is going to say, mm, okay, well, you know, here are the implications and you have no clue and you have no way of knowing. Every time there's a problem, you say, well, you know, this, uh, this finishing here is really not nice. Um, I'd like to send an engineer to the anodizing plant. The supplier is going to say, um, let us, you know, we're working on it, you know, let us do. And like, what? You know, I can't, and they will say, well, you know, I can't really tell you. It's like a business secret. Well, this is where this is happening. And you know what? In many cases, they also don't know where it's done. Mm. <laughs> Maybe they buy metal parts uh, from a company that does die casting and the surface finishing, uh, the surface treatment. And the die casting company doesn't tell them where the surface treatment is done. That's quite common. Um, so... You, you, if you don't have the deliverables in your hand, basically, uh, you, 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 you really at the mercy of your supplier. And it is, I mean, if they do something wrong, you can probably sue them, you know, if the contract is actually enforceable in their country where they have assets and so on. Mm -hmm. um, but what, what is one of the primary purposes of the development agreement, as I mentioned before, is to, to be able to go to another supplier, is to um, 
to reduce the over-reliance on, on, on one supplier, right? But if you don't have all these deliverables, well, somebody's going to have to pay, you know, put the resources to do this development again, which is crazy, which is very frustrating. Absolutely. But it's not uncommon at all. People mm. don't like to brag about it, you know, because it's like, yeah, I made a mistake. I should have thought about that earlier. Uh, but it, it, it happens quite a bit. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I can see how all of this is really ring fencing a lot of risks that you want to get rid of. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And depending on the product, you know, there's, and depending on the situation, depending on the arrangement with the supplier, it, it, it might be, you know, much more complicated than that, right? Who, you know, who's going to do um, who's going to develop the, the, the control plan and, and the testing plan and, and all of these things um, and who's going to pay for that and would it be communicated to you, the buyer? You know, that, that's more about the manufacturing process. But, you, you know, you, you better also cover these bases just to, to avoid getting to the point where, okay, the, pro- the product is developed, that's done, uh, we've respected the agreement. Uh, now let's go into manufacturing, and then they don't agree on some key terms, uh, and you're back to facing the same risks, hmm. right? Hmm. Uh, which is why signing a product development agreement first, and then signing the product manufacturing. Uh, sorry, yeah, the product manufacturing agreement uh, might be okay. But um, you need to make sure that if you don't find common ground, you really have the ability to switch to another manufacturer without wasting too much time. If you do not have that ability, then you should have them sign some kind of manufacturing agreement protecting you against the main risks. And then, of course, you can always amend it. You can always do an addendum. You can always... Mm -hmm. uh, make another agreement that replaces and cancels it. Right. But um, this is all related to proper project planning. If we don't plan properly, you're going to miss some of these key uh, topics. And yeah, if, if you're doing business with a company that is not aligned with you, that doesn't really understand what, you know, how you want to do business, uh, or a company that is just not a good company, you know, <laughs> not honest, mm. um, this might become a very big problem. So the product development agreement, excellent for reducing the risks and fundamentally keeping control over our project. Uh, yes. Um, it's about setting the expectations. Mm-hmm. It's about keeping some leverage. Um, you know, and what we always say, transparency and control. Yeah. These are legal tools that help you have transparency over your supply chain, transparency over what happens and control so that you don't have too many bad surprises, right? Mm -hmm. And the ability to do a lot of monitoring if needed. So um, that, that is really, really very important. Yeah, that rounds us off nicely. So anybody listening, if you do have questions about 
product development agreements or keeping this sort of control, of course, you can get in touch with us at Southeast. And I'm sure Renault, one of the team, can give you some answers. Obviously, as he said, we're not lawyers, though. So right. ultimately, uh, contacting a lawyer who's got a, who's got a specialism in uh, manufacturing in the countries that you're operating in is probably yeah. a good idea, too. Yes, yes. And um, yeah, we have a, a page about partners on surface.com and mm -hmm. we, we, we put the, um, the contact of uh, Dan Harris at uh, Harris Bricken. So that's uh, always a good choice. Yeah, good place to start. Uh, I'll share the link in the show notes. So that's it. We've got to the end of this episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. And thanks for joining me, Renaud. Hey, thanks, Adrian. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to like and share. And you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other places that you get your podcasts from. See you next time.